Well, you know, I started the sermon last week on the faithfulness of God. Uh, and I'm the last person to waste a good sermon. And so since I only got 10 minutes of the way through it, I'm going to do the whole sermon today. Because it's part eight in the series that I've written, uh, Understanding God. And this last part of Understanding God is understanding the faithfulness of God, the very faithfulness of God. Uh, and so when you look at the world that we live in today, there's no faithfulness. You see 50% of marriages breaking up. You see long-term relationships that we have with friends breaking up. Uh, there's no place really that you can go and see uh, in this humanity of what we would call faithfulness. You don't see it, but you find it in one place. You find it with the sovereign God, with Jesus Christ. That's when you see the faithfulness of God. God is always faithful. And that's the nature of this sermon today. I want you to understand that. God is always faithful, even when you don't understand him. Even when you don't really put together what you're going through, I want to assure you, God is faithful to those of us who have given our hearts to him. Now, there's a key verse in Scripture that talks about the faithfulness of God, and it's found in Lamentations 3, verse 22. And it says there, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. You see that really, the recognition that humanity is evil, and God in his faithfulness still allows us to go through and exist, and in his patience, he does that. And yet, for those of us who are com committed to him, his faithfulness towards us never fails. Uh, and so, what I want to emphasize to you is this, that his faithfulness continues to you no matter what's going on in your life. Wherever you are, whatever pain you're in involved with, whatever suffering you're experiencing, you are in God's loving compassion towards you, and that compassion will never end. Understand, he holds you in his palm, and no power can ever take you out of that palm. Now, dictionaries define faithfulness, human faithfulness, as steadfast in affection or allegiance. In other words, someone faithful is loyal and dependable and firm in adhering to promises. Well, the Bible speaks of faithfulness in terms of eternity and perfection. Uh, as this applies to God, we realize that he is eternal, that he is dependable, that he is trustworthy, that he is loyal, that he is resolute, that he is constant and true to his word. There is no one like God. And we need to understand that as we come to terms with his faithfulness. God keeps his promises and he will come through for you 100% of the time. You may not understand that he's coming through for you. You may not understand the wisdom and purpose of God, but I want to assure you that he sees the eternity of your life. Ultimately, we need to see all of the attributes of God working together on behalf of our good. Now, God has revealed himself through creation. His faithfulness continues to all generations. Look at Psalm 145, verse 13. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all 
generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food at the proper time. There you see the psalmist recognizing the faithfulness of God, the protection of God, the love of God in every way, even when we don't see it, looking out for his children in every way. Now, as we study, study the Bible, one of the things that we learn is that creation demonstrates that God is faithful. Uh, he has fixed the planets. He's balanced the solar system. He has placed the planets in a specific orbit so that all takes place uniformly. When we have bigger telescopes, we find out that there are new galaxies that we never knew existed. Well, guess what? God knew they existed. He placed them there. It's only our finite, puny minds that are coming, coming to recognize that. Now, science, you see, only exists because God has created science. And he has placed scientific laws in place so that we understand that. Uh, and so what we see is that the creation is full of all these scientific laws that God has created. Gravity, the speed of light, thermodynamics, all that you can bank on because God created it. God longs to be seen as creative in his glory. Now, also, God has revealed his faithfulness through people. And you see that in the scripture uh, and the way he deals with people. For example, God kept all his promises to Abraham and his descendants through the centuries. Uh, and he did that by telling Abraham that one of his descendants would effectively change the world. Uh, and that descendant was Jesus Christ. And Abraham was promised that his people would be numbered like the sand on the beach and that they would someday have their own country. God continued to bless Abraham through the years and delivered on all those promises. Now, when Jesus uh, told Peter that Christ would build his church and that the gates of Hades would not prevail against it, uh, he committed himself, you see, to building and preserving the church. We are evidence of that today. God has steadfastly, and continuously promised and kept to his promises in every way in his faithfulness. Whether opposition has come forward through attempts to wipe out Israel uh, or to destroy the Christian church, God has prevailed against all of those evildoers. He has proven to be faithful. Now, God has also proven his faithfulness to us through the Holy Spirit. Uh, and this is something that we don't really focus on, but we need to. If you look at John 14, verse 15, Jesus said there, If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. What a great passage that is. That here is God, not even content to send Jesus Christ incarnate to die on the cross, but to leave us someone in his place 
to contain the spirit of Jesus Christ so that even as he left this world, God's faithfulness continues. And he has implanted the spirit of God within you as a believer. It is that spirit which draws you to Jesus, which draws you to God. It is that spirit which allows you to live a godly life. It is that spirit which convicts you when you step out of line. God did all of this because he was faithful, because he loved you, because he wants to see you serve him and worship him. And now our ability, you see, our ability uh, to obey Christ's commands, which are certainly exceedingly difficult, depends on our willingness to rely on the Holy Spirit. Uh, because if you rely on the Holy Spirit, God is giving you the ability to serve him and to walk with him and to obey his commands. Now, not only that, but when God has given us the Holy Spirit, he has given us the fruit of the Spirit. This is something that humanity does not have in itself. Humanity is intrinsically evil. I told you the story. If you want to see how humanity is, put two babies in a crib, put one toy, and I submit to you, in 10 minutes, come back and you'll see a fight. <laughs> you'll see one baby hitting the other and taking the toy away. That's the intrinsic nature of mankind. We are not intrinsically good. We are intrinsically evil. But when God has put the fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit in your life, this is what he has given you. This is the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I know what you're thinking right now. You're thinking, oh boy, I probably don't have the Holy Spirit because I'm lacking on a number of those things. Well, let me assure you that it doesn't come about all at once. It's not like a switch is flipped, but as you walk with God, as you take up the cross with God and walk daily, the fruit ripens. It becomes more evident. It becomes stronger in your life. I believe that this is a very, very important subject, so important that I'm going to begin next week a series on the fruit of the Spirit. It's important for you to understand what that's about and how God wants to bless you as he gives you that fruit. Now, God also demonstrates his faithfulness to us through his character, the very nature of his character, the very honor of his name. His name is on the line throughout the universe. The 23rd Psalm speaks about the fact of the name of God as it relates to righteousness and integrity. Uh, look at that line which says, he guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That's the righteousness and faithfulness of God. He holds up his name to the universe in that very profound verse. Uh, he is utterly trustworthy and steadfast. Now, because God's character is faithful, the statements he makes are always true. They never fail. The Bible is the record of God's complete reliability. One of the clearest statements of his faithfulness is found in Isaiah 55, verse 10, where it says, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth, and making it bud 
and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. I will not, it will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. My word will not return empty. This is why we come together in church. This is why we bow in worship. This is why we wait to hear the word of God inspired by the Holy Spirit because the word of God is empowering. It's not the word of a man. It's the word inspired by the Holy Spirit delivering his word. I'm telling you that often, often I will listen to radio programs that I know I'm on and I've delivered sermons and I'm listening to it and often I'll turn to Linda and say, I don't remember saying this. I don't remember saying it. And the reason for that is, no, you didn't say it. The Holy Spirit just used your lips and through your lips and mouth, he said to the church and to you, John, what he wanted you to hear. My word will never return empty. And so you're here and you're listening to the word of God. God is empowering that word. You need to hear that word, receive that word and the promise God is making that it will not come back empty, but will engender a change in your life. Now, when Jesus prayed for us in John chapter 17, that incredible chapter, when you realize the Son of God himself is praying for us, uh, bowing for us, and asking God to deliver us. What a powerful statement that is. Uh, Jesus made it a, a point to emphasize the importance of God's word in our lives. Uh, how critically important is this? Jesus is telling you this. Jesus was asking the Father to, quote, sanctify them, his disciples, to make them holy, all right? When God's word makes an impact of our lives, we become part of the very demonstration of his faithfulness. This is what he intended, make them holy. He demonstrates that in his life. Now, God has also revealed his faithfulness through his truthfulness and his covenants and his prophecies. No prophecy that God ever made has failed to come true. Every single prophecy has come true. And those that have not yet been revealed will come true. And every covenant that he has made, every promise that he has made have always come true. He never breaks a covenant or a prophecy. They are rock solid guarantees. And you can rely on this. They are not guesses. Uh, look at Isaiah 42, verse 8. I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. See, the former things have taken place and new things I declare before they spring into being, I announce them to you. He's indicating the authority of prophecy. He's indicating this is what he says. He will announce to you what's going to come down the line. He will prophesy it, and he will not yield his glory to another. This is important to you because so many of us have put little g gods in the place of God. You understand what I mean by that. In other words, whether it's money or affluence or family or recreation, so many of us Put those elements first instead of the sovereignty of God. God is faithful to you 
and he expects you to be faithful back to him. That's important. He expects faithfulness. He expects you to be that way. And so every prophecy that God has ever made has come true. The ones that have not yet come true have yet to be fulfilled. But you can rest assured that they will be fulfilled. God is faithful. Now, the ultimate example of God's faithfulness to mankind and humanity is found through his son, Jesus Christ. Now, think about this. Here is God creating this creation, creating this world, creating humanity, putting humanity in this garden of Eden, all right, walking with him, communicating with him, intending that there would ever, never be decay or death, that everything would come together. And what happens? Sin comes into the Garden of Eden. Disobedience comes into the Garden of Eden. Of, of Eden. And, and mankind falls, you see. And as a result of that fall, all of creation craters. Now, when I say crater, I want you to understand what I mean. Creation decays. Creation was never meant to decay. We were never meant to have hurricanes uh, or tsunamis or earthquakes or travesties that take place. We were never intended to die. That's what the intention was. But Lucifer confounded that. And so God, in his incredible, passionate love for humanity, decides to bankrupt heaven and send Jesus Christ, his one and only son, to come to earth and die on a cross so that we, evil humanity, have a chance to be with God. That he would save us in his faithfulness. This is an incredible thing that you can't find in any other religion. That God would send God himself to mankind. So that God himself would be put on a cross. So that humanity would be saved forever. That's the faithfulness of God. Look at, look at what Isaiah 11 says, really as a prophetic moment about Jesus. Righteousness will be his belt, and faithfulness the sash around his waist. In other words, when you see Jesus, the character traits of righteousness and faithfulness stand out as clearly as a belt or sash. And you see that time and time again when you see Christ being faithful to the disciples, Christ being faithful to the Father, Christ being faithful to the church time and time again. And so as, and he's wearing that faithfulness, just as that verse says, as clearly as a belt or a sash. Now at the culmination of history, and that's found in Revelation chapter 3, Jesus can choose from among dozens of titles to describe himself. And at that critical moment, Jesus chooses to call himself faithful and true. Faithful and true. That is your Lord, faithful and true, as he takes those titles and ascribes them to himself. And so God also demonstrates his faithfulness to us in the very way he shapes our lives. And rest assured, he is shaping all of your lives. None of you are going through life without God shaping your life as you've given your heart to him. That's part of, of the relationship that we have with him. And, and so he deals with us in a very subjective way. Subjective because he determines what is best for you. 
Now, you could never decide what's best for you because most of us can't even find our car in the parking lot. Right? But God sees the road to eternity. God sees creation and time, the beginning and the end all at once. Can you imagine? He sees the beginning and the end. He sees it all in a moment. And so as he does that, he knows what is best for you. And so he is faithfully shaping your life as you serve him. Uh, look at Psalm 34, verse 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saved those who are crushed in spirit. Close. He's close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. When you're down, when you're hurting, when you're suffering, God is close to you. He loves you. He does not abandon you. And so even in our human experience with sin and weakness and temptation and, yes, even failure, God continues to be faithful. Now, our tendency, however, is to run away from God when we fail or struggle with temptation. And I'm going to give you four instances where you will see the concrete example of God's faithfulness in our lives as we go through these moments. Uh, here, first of all, he demonstrates his faithfulness to us when we are weak, when we are suffering, when we are persecuted. I want you to read, listen to this. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul will speak at length on this issue. Uh, verse 7. And this is Paul now. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited. How about that? How about that? I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Now, let's understand something. This is the man who will write effectively two-thirds of the New Testament. This is the man who most people agree was the greatest evangelist in the history of the world. This is a man who most historians put as one of the top five important figures in Western civilization. This is a man who met Jesus face to face on the road to Damascus. And yet, despite all of that, God still was forming him. God still was reducing him. God knew what his issues were. God knew he had a problem with pride. And here's the deal. There's not one example in the Bible where you can find a proud man who's used by God. Amen, church? I want you to understand that. Nobody. God doesn't use people filled with pride. He uses people who are humble, who bow before the throne. Uh, and so here he is, this superhero in our faith. He'd have a bad day. He was suffering. It was a weakness that tormented him. And he cried out to God for relief. And I want you to know that, that those of you that are in pain, God sees it. And I want to assure you that in some way, there is a plan that God is using for you. And I pray that you have that revelation. This was obviously a continuous discomfort to him. And you know, when he says, I, I asked God three times, 
Look, you know Paul. Do you think he just asked God three times? You know he didn't ask him three times. He probably asked him 300 times because that's the kind of guy that Paul was. You know, and asking God, and I'm sure what he said is, look, I could be a better preacher. And God says, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. Think about that as you suffer. His grace is sufficient for you because he's faithful to you, because he has a better plan for you than the plan you have for your own life. Uh, effectively, what he's saying is that God answered that prayer. Uh, and effectively, the answer that God gave him was effectively, you are not going to be delivered from that thorn. Rather, you will get delivered through that thorn. How about that? Through that thorn, you're going to get delivered. And I would say this to you. Those of you who are suffering and going through difficult times, God is going to use that to deliver you and to perfect you. Uh, and so in Paul's weakness, God proved his faithfulness. Now look, God says that there are bigger issues at stake than your personal comfort. I'm sorry to tell you that. Uh, but if he spoke like that to Paul, you can rest assured it applies to us as well. My grace is sufficient for you. When the world sees that God sustains you, despite the fact that you're suffering and hurting and in pain, and in weakness, and seize your weakness, and the world will know that it is all about him. It's all about him, not about you, but that you've bowed and given your life to God in every way. That is as true today as it was 2,000 years ago for Paul. Now, Paul's response here is amazing in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. But he said to me, meaning the Lord said to him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Church, can you say this, that you delight in weakness, that you delight in insults, that you delight in hardships, that you delight in persecutions, that you delight in difficulties. Well, I want to assure you that if you're walking with God, if he's given you the Holy Spirit, as I know he has for all of you, when I am weak, then he is strong. That's the nature of this relationship. That's the nature of the very faithfulness of God. The point of admitting the weakness is not to wallow, not to wallow in defeat, but rather to allow God's strength to surge through you, to display to you to a world that is lost that needs to see it. Now, God's faithfulness is also uh, delivered and revealed to us when we are tempted. When we are tempted. There is a difference now between temptation and sin. Being tempted means coming and facing some type of lust and looking at that and being tempted to fall. Maybe being distracted. Not fully fa falling for it, but being distracted. Now, you recognize a lust uh, to do something, but when you are tempted, God will provide a way out so that you can stand up to it. 
This is what God gives you through the Holy Spirit. Yes, you're going to be tempted, but God is going to give you something to rebut it. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Again, the faithfulness of God. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. You understand that? This is what he's given you. He knows you're going to be tempted. He knows you're weak. He knows your warts. And he's going to give you the ability through the Holy Spirit to rebut it, to stand tall, to walk away from it. Uh, look, this is not a matter of personal character. This is not a matter of personal willpower. This is a matter of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in your life and the evidence of the faithfulness of God. Amen, church? Let's understand something. This is what his power is about and what his faithfulness is about. Now, God also longs to show us his faithfulness when we sin. Because there will be times when we will sin. Uh, and even when we fail uh, to take up his way of escape that he provides uh, from temptation, he does not give up on us. He's not like we are when we have people that fail us and we say, I'm done with you. I'm done with you. That's not God's way. He doesn't give up with us. Look at 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and for, will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's the nature of the relationship you have with your Abba Father. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive them. How many of us do that? How many say, God, forgive me for what I've done, Lord. Help me not to live this way. Uh, and he will purify you from that unrighteousness. That is the nature of the bargain of when you accept him as your Lord and Savior. Now, we find something amazing, really, with our relationship with God as we walk with him. Uh, we still sin. Let me break it to you. You will sin every day of your life. Some of us sin even before we get out of bed. All right? Some of us sin even before we get out of bed as our mind wanders. And we think about things we should do. Because the battle rages continuously, the flesh against the spirit. And when you realize, you see that you have sinned, what you need to do is stop, confess what you did wrong, accept the consequences from God, and his forgiveness automatically follows. That's the guarantee I can give you from the faithfulness of God. He is faithful. Now, people, unfortunately, will carry troubles and secrets and wounds and sin and deal with nightmare, nightmares for years and years to come, partly because they refuse to believe that God can handle such filth. Well, let me say it to you straight out. God can handle the filth. God can handle your sin. God can handle your mistake. God can handle the errors that you've made in your life. We have to learn to come to him and ask him to forgive us. And then we have to forgive ourselves. We have to forgive ourselves. Because so many of us have refused to forgive ourselves. And we continue to carry that scar tissue. It's time 
you forgive yourself as well as you reflect on the very faithfulness of God. It is about you expect, accepting what God has done for you. And so God is faithful and he wants to show you this, uh, that he's faithful, not just when you're a good little boy or a good little girl, but he's even faithful when you're not, when you have fallen, when you're broken. God wants to show you his faithfulness even when you fail. Every time we fall short of measuring up to God's standard, his faithfulness offers to make up the very difference in our life. Uh, the Apostle Paul spoke to Timothy about this very issue in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11. And there the, the scripture says, here is a trustworthy saying. And remember, this is Paul saying this. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. But if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. There it is. That's the nature of God. That's the nature of the faithfulness. He, if we die with him, if we give him everything that we are, he will live with us and we will live with him. If we endure with him, walking with him, he will be with us and never walk away. Uh, if we are faithless from time to time, he will still be with you and walking with you. And so that's the nature of this sermon, what I want to assure you, that the power of God is alive in a powerful way. He is as faithful today to you as he was 2,000 years ago to the disciples and to Paul himself. And so, what's the practical? How do we respond to God's faithfulness? Uh, God longs for us to know him at the deepest levels of our hearts. He wants us to know that he is faithful, that he is there for us. Uh, he really loves you in the most profound way that no other human being could ever love you. God will simply not give up on you at all. Even when you deny him, he will remain faithful to you. And so what I would say to you as a practical is this. Put your past behind you today. Forget what you've done wrong in the past. Bow to God. Ask him to forgive you, and he will forgive you, and he will lift you up. Accept the fact that you've sinned, and ask God for the remedy, and he will be there for you. Bring your present problems, your pain, and your failures to Jesus today. Jesus made it perfectly clear. Come to me, and I will give you rest. Place your hope in the future of the one who will never let you down. Amen, church? Amen. Let's bow. Amen. Let's bow. Father, I thank you for the words that you've given us. I thank you for the demonstration of your faithfulness. Lord, I ask you that you put this in our heart. Let this message resonate in our hearts. Let us leave this church today with the firm, resolute understanding that you are with us, that you are faithful, that you will never let us down, that you will walk with us forever. Father, I ask you that you be with our people. Protect them. Let the message resonate in their hearts. Be with them this week and bring them back safely to continue the worship of your word in every way. We put all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.